0: Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets, ideas can change the world. You know, talking about ideas, I, uh, I go back in the physical security industry to about 2002. And every once in a while I run across people who have been in the physical security industry much longer than that, and it's always fun to ask them about their perspective of what it was like, even before I got into it, what it's like today and maybe where it's going. And, uh, and, so, and by the way, when we talk about the physical security industry, we're not just talking about large enterprises. We're talking about also small businesses. We're talking about residentials, whether they're apartment buildings, condominiums, we're talking about the whole industry and, uh, and they influence each other. Uh, the consumer market influences the enterprise market and vice versa. So it, it, it'll be fun because I have asked uh, Steve Pineau to uh, join us. He's the CEO of Glue Cell Innovations. Back when I first met him, he was with Viscount Systems as the CEO and he's a good Canadian folk out of uh, British Columbia. Steve, nice having you on with the great conversation.
1: Well, let's get started. Nice to meet you.
0: <laughs> let's get started. That's right. And remember all of you, I've invited him next to my virtual fireplace. So we truly are having a conversation, not an interview. Um, let's step back uh, to what I said, Stephen, and just get your views. I, and, and I'll share with you mine when I entered the market in 2002, but... What what was physical security systems looking like back then, back in the late '90s when you were involved?
1: Um, in some ways, they were remarkably similar to what they are now. Um, in in physical security, in terms of building access, um, you know, the world is seemingly centered around like wegan data since the 1990s, and so part of the conversation is is that Is that fixed or is there some new evolution that's going to change the way that people see and access buildings overall. Um, And I find that, you know, the fiscal security industry has always been pretty conservative. Um, And sometimes, you know, companies that enter things early people automatically don't quite understand where they're going like in the early 2000s when you're talking about, you know, at the time um you know video was recorded on tape with time-lapse recorders and uh you know this new technology to record on computers came out and the industry was talking it was you know too slow it won't transmit you can't record the police won't accept it but somehow the inherent qualities of digital video had replaced analog very quickly so um you know i, I think it's a it's fairly transformative in ways, but I think sometimes the pace of technology in, in our industry probably lags, like IT, for example. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's a, it was really interesting to me, uh, who, grew up, who grew up with mainframes and then surfed along the technology wave of mini computers, microcomputers, and for all sorts of different applications. Uh, I didn't touch physical security until I started the Sage Group, in 2002 and uh, met one of my first customers who was in that, uh, what I call highly dysfunctional industry. And it was dysfunctional, not because of any one person, it was dysfunctional because we hadn't tied a value proposition to the business yet in that industry. And also, like you said, it it was a laggard. Um, there, we were doing things in IT, you know, Uh, that we had been doing for years. And it was like the physical security industry wasn't recognizing it. So yes, it was a laggard as well. But what I did find, I want to go back to your, uh, your comment. Can we agree, we're using newfangled terms for it, but can we agree since that time, we have been putting devices on a network. We've been putting devices on a network and let's call them sensors, that is, they've been acquiring data and they've only been intelligent when we put them, that data has only been intelligent when we put them inside an application. And I'm gonna use that term very uh, in, in a very pointed way because we're gonna get around to what you're doing today. It's an app. So whether that app is doing access, whether that app is doing video, it's an app, uh, and so that gets interesting, especially when you get into integration and, and the idea of thinking in terms of uh, plug and play devices within a platform, so that, that gets interesting. So I'll pause for a second. Does it make sense? We can say these are sensors, intelligent sensors on a network acquiring data that's only intelligible when it goes through an application does that make sense yeah absolutely
1: i actually it's funny you, you made me um, trigger a memory that i remember in the early 2000s i actually wrote an article for one of the security magazines exactly what you're talking about that when it comes right down to it, a computer is just taking data it doesn't care if it's receiving data from a card access system or, or a video system and then the question at that time is what will that mean down the road with the type of sensors but yeah, you're simply receiving data and, uh, and it's an app.
0: Right. And so now in today's language, what do we want apps to do? Whether we're consumers or whether we're at the enterprise level, we want apps to play nicely with other apps because, you know, we want, uh, we, we are no longer tolerating uh, that lack of integration, uh, whether it's a new printer in my home network or whether it's a new device in my enterprise. We we don't like the idea that they can't play nicely together. Would that be a good, good comment?
1: Yeah, it's one of the struggles that the industry's had for 20 years. <laughs> And it's, it's, it's still um, because of, you know, the, there's the app and then there's the proprietariness of the hardware, for example. So it's always been a struggle.
0: Yeah. And then, of course, the more proprietary it is, um, doesn't mean it's more secure. You you know, mentioned Wigan for example, which Wegan has been challenged from a security standpoint. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. I mean, I still see articles in the paper um, on a regular basis of people finding buildings that seem to be compromised over the technology, the the card technology that they put in.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, you know, I I like to tell a story uh, back when um, when uh, uh, BlackBerry was still around and uh, mobile phones were being introduced and and physical security was very challenged by the insecurity of mobile phones, as they should have been. Uh, but they were using that. Um, they were using that as an excuse not to really look at the behavior of their business people. So I like to tell the story of a CEO, you know, who is actually accessing his mobile device and kind of turns around and goes, "Why can't I get data?" off my mobile device. And he says it first to his business people, his ERP guys, his accounting guys, his sales guys, but it gets around to security too. And I'm smiling right now, uh, Steve, because you now are making that same challenge. You're going, wait, wait, basically everyone has a cell phone. So why are we still putting hardware everywhere, and using dumb plastic cards, not all the time, of course, some of them have um, sensors on them as well. But why, why are we doing that? Why are we doing that to our buildings? Why are we doing that to our customer behavior? Is that—is that, that a good statement?
1: Yeah. And the answer is generally because we've always done it that way.
0: Yeah, Yeah. So tell me about that problem. Let's go into the problem. I always like looking at how people perform roles in a process using whatever tools we've given them. Tell me the problem that you run into all the time because we're forced to use these um, hardware-based devices inside our workplace and our homes.
1: Um, well, if I think of it, there's a, it's, it's, it's a, the, at the same time that technology is a problem, it's also been a solution that's been around for a long time. Um, But going forward, it creates its own set of problems, for example, if if we start with the the, with the concept that everything must be in this environment of cards and weekend technology or some form of of analog data. Then also means that companies that are trying to innovate with say facial recognition readers or you know biometrics they're taking what they think of as very sophisticated data and having to dumb it down to turn it into a weekend signal to send it to some sort of control system so that's you know that's um part of what i think of you know as a problem but um those systems are very expensive uh you know there's a lot of overhead involved in terms of wiring and cabling and and power and so you know for me i just asked myself thought experiments of whether or not that must be, and if not going to be, um, is a mobile device a much better solution um, in terms of security and cost and you know, whatever else that means. So that's kind of the way that I see it.
0: Ooh, oh, oh but yeah, ooh, I, want, I want to tease something out though. I think, I think it was cool the way you said it, but I'm, I'm just going to try to say it a little differently We are making some incredible, technology is advancing at a very rapid pace. Uh, And I've been around since 1980 with technology and it it is moving so quickly. I remember talking to one of the top um, Alexa guys way back when when they were first starting and they themselves were absolutely shocked how quickly the adoption of Alexa inside the home occurred because because there are so many people who are saying there's no way no one's going to let alexa in the bedroom the bathroom the living room no no one's going to let them in because of privacy issues and it turns out convenience trump privacy and it was off to the races uh, but you you said something really interesting here are these advanced technologies coming out facial recognition biometrics ai machine learning. And because of legacy infrastructures, they aren't introduced within a changed model. They're introduced and forced to integrate into an old model. And that's that that, by the way, going back to my business school training, that that defies all logic because the very basis of innovation sometimes demands that you create a whole different environment and let the legacy environment play out its game rather than try to dumb down the data and make it even more expensive by trying to integrate it into an old infrastructure. I think you, you nailed something there. Tell me, tell me about that.
1: Well, it's, it goes back to what I, what I, what I've seen and I've always asked myself these thought experiments um, of, of, You know, part of what what I do, I I would ask myself, this thing I've done for years is I call it the what if thought experiment. So, for example, if the kind of world I see, which is that things like cell phones, you know, even for biometrics, as we talk about it, like, you know, I use a banking app. When I use my banking app, I use my fingerprint to open it. So if you're looking at biometrics, facial recognition and, and mobile devices have it built in, then... Those could be the credential that gives you, you know, um, dual authentication and stuff to open the door as well, without having the expensive thing at the door. So I go back to that. This question I've asked myself: uh, uh, a thing, what if, um, if, for example, you know, the kind of things we think of of taking that home automation Alexa type environment and putting it into large buildings, so that you know you use Siri to open the door to open a gate, just like in your in in a home. Um, the question I sometimes ask myself is, if that was kind of a standard thing, and someone went to one of the big security shows and someone had this new thing called, I have a weekend, you know, a a bit structure analog device, and you, you're going to use a card instead of your phone, and it's only going to cost you two or three times more to secure your building, would they be left out of the building, or would, be, would there be a big market for the new technology called what we think of as current, but may be considered old-fashioned at the same time. Interesting. <laughs> I think- No, but they... would be, people would be excited about, instead of using an app, you know, Siri, open the gate or open a door, would they be excited about opening your wallet and grabbing a card and tagging that in? And would the management companies and, and large organizations that currently just enroll people through a phone excited that they actually physically have to meet people now to exchange a card so that they can access buildings. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And, and I, I guess that it's entirely possible that people wouldn't really understand what you're trying to sell them.
0: Right. Well, let me ask you this. One, we kind of touched on legacy infrastructures and dumbing down systems uh, But maybe the same thing can be applied to business models. If you have an old ecosystem of security integrators, resellers, and consultants who uh, have a financial interest into maintaining the status quo, uh, they're not, they're going to do everything they can to keep that kind of technology out of the hands of their users right? I mean, you have a lot of forces against you in bringing technology that might be easier, less expensive, not having yeah. any recurring cost. You see what I'm
1: saying? Of course. Although, um, you know, this new technology tends to be a lot of the new things coming up um, are subscription-based as well. Mm-hmm. So there are opportunities for integrators um, with new technology um but you know if i look back even when when you know video is going from black and white to color and analog to ip there are a lot of dealers that really were against that and i always get a kick out of some dealers i knew who who said it would never fly who would suddenly become i'm the dealer that brought this to seattle i'm the (laughs) you know five years later that they're taking credit for the thing they opposed um so you know, the technology itself tends to um, bypass those kinds of objections. I guess that's just part of the way it works, right?
0: Yeah, I was uh, listening to one of the top analysts in the small business residential space and, and, uh, and talking about DIY because many of the, uh, many of the vendors in the small business residential space are used to, you know, selling hardware, if you will, uh, integrating it into the home and, uh, and then, of course, uh, monitoring. Uh, so, uh, And there was a big discussion around do-it-yourself technology, DIY. And, um, and she said the trend is it, it, that they're starting to recognize is not to be afraid of DIY because it might be the first stage of a sales cycle where they need sophisticated monitoring and a different kind of integration service in what is evolving into the smart home so i guess what you're saying is is what i just said too and that is you know hold on there you know don't look you may want to look past your current model because the new technology may actually foster new ways of making money
1: yeah I, i think one of the things that that is changing is, like I said, the, the renewed abilities because of the cloud, too, and, and, and such to generate recurring revenue in ways that it never really made sense to end users before. Mm-hmm. And that actually attracts a different type of, um, you know, like I'm in Canada and the large telcos here are aggressively going after that business because they've, you know, they're, they're, their basic business model is always clients, um, retention and recurring revenue. So, you know, if, if small integrators want to pass on that, they'll probably get squeezed a little bit over time. But like you said, even DIY creates opportunities for people that are, that are creative.
0: That's right. Let's, uh, let's touch on here as we get to the end of our little fireside chat, if you will, let's get into sure. this new company that you started this year, glue cell and um, where you're the CEO of it. And tell me about the why behind glue cell. What, what is going on right now that created the need for glue cell?
1: Um, I, I'm, I'm willing to make a technology based on what I perceive to be the need to be. <laughs> um, but it's, it's not that there is a need so much as that there's an opportunity if, if you kind of understand the slight difference. Um, and I've always been kind of a risk-taking kind of guy. So part of what I look at is when you, with new technologies, uh, you know, our technology is slow to change. And so when you bring new things out, um, the question is whether there's an opportunity or a niche that that fits and whether or not, you know, as they talk about disruptive technology. I mean, I, I have a new technology that, in some cases is like 90% less expensive than anything anybody's ever seen. Um, and so that dollar proposition itself creates opportunities, but in other cases, it's purely technological. Um, and I've, it, it really just goes back to the question I've always had of why do we need, you know, you ask those questions. If we don't need a card, what else? If we don't need these readers and controllers and such, what, 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 what else is there? And the question I asked with glue Cell, the, the number one thing is I don't think five years, seven years ago, the, tech, the industry would be, be worth it or be ready for it. But if you look at what's happening, like you said, with home automation, people people now, when I approach certain end users and developers, seven years ago, they'd go, huh? Now they totally get it because it's, it's a type of technology set for houses that they're already used to. Um, So that is part of where the demand comes from is people go, wow, you can do that in a big building, as opposed to I thought it could only be used to open your home garage door open or something.
0: Right now, now let's back up. So I asked you the why behind your company. We haven't actually gone into what it is yet. The why behind your company is summarized that you saw. And I love how you you stopped me and said, well, well, maybe not a need more of an opportunity. I, I, I like your thinking there. So what you saw is to possibly in certain cases, lower your cost of access technologies by 90%. Uh, Two, highly leverage mobile and cloud, which is everyone's, like you said, is already recognizing as the new thing. And three, possibly a a niche sector around uh, buildings, don't want to have, you know, ugly hardware, uh, on their buildings and, uh, and people with disabilities who want to, or, or or who, who just don't want to mess around with or have trouble accessing, uh, uh, technology. Is that right? Are those the three opportunities you see, or are there more?
1: There could be more, but you're, you're very uh, good with this stuff (laughs) because some of this, um, you know, um, the beginning of the technology actually started with um a project that we're looking at partly to assist uh, people with disabilities to get into buildings and that's how you start going well what about and then you realize it has much wider um, applications than just that because people with in, in canada at least and in the us um you know ada in canada we have something different but it's been a real struggle um you know if you're in a wheelchair how do you try you know if a lot of people are, are so they have incredible difficulty even using a card reader or using an intercom or anything else. So that's where we started from, but yeah, you're, you're bang on.
0: Well, also, also the deployment piece, since it is mobile, since it is cloud, you know, if you're talking to someone building a retirement home out, um, they get to avoid all the cables and wires and everything else that they would have had to do in the past.
1: No, absolutely. You know, and, and, and there is pushback with this technology, um, you know, and, and some of it, it's like, well, you know, when someone says, well, what about, you know, the extreme elderly that don't even have a phone? And that might not be our market that I'm not sure where those buildings are, but, um, you know, so there's, that's just like I said, it's finding a niche of buildings that, uh, don't have people that don't actually have phones but with the penetration rate approaching 100% i i really don't worry about it too much
0: well i just gave my 85 year old mother her first cell phone and and uh uh it although it it's been difficult to get her to use it more than just a phone um you know i'd be intrigued to see if uh if we could teach her how to use it to get inside a building that that's kind of an interesting point uh, so tell me where glue cell is out. You, um, you, you started it in January. It looks like of 2021. So where are you at and what do you expect 2022 to be?
1: Uh, well, in terms of where we are at um, technology takes a little while to develop. Um, we um, are now booking projects, new construction projects, mostly for next year and the year after. Um, and, you know, it's, it really, um, let's just say that the first thing you do with the new technology is, is spend some money to find out if, if there's a market for it, which we've certainly done. Um, the response has been very good. Um, and then there's always, you know, the other side of it, the what about syndrome, what about this, what about that, right? Um, but we're, we're doing a full launch by, I believe, January. And uh, I guess that after that, you know, I always said that the most dangerous thing is when you fully release your product, because that's when the investors realize whether whether their money was well spent.
0: Well, I, but but I like you know, your thought, I like your thought process though. What you've done is, you know, you're you're putting together the value proposition by asking a lot of questions of the marketplace and in users. I love that. And your job in 2021 is to get to a minimum viable product, MVP, a minimum viable product that could then be deployed and validated, and uh, and now now you're ready to cross the chasm, as Jeffrey Moore said way back when, you're ready to cross the chasm in 2022. So it'll be fun to talk to you later on in the year in 2022 on what that looked like, but I, I think that that's a sound approach. Do I have it right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and um, it's fun explaining people with some of it, like how this system can be used as an intercom when there's no actually intercom in the building. And when you explain it to them, they really get it. (laughs) So it's kind of like, where's the beef? (laughs) Yeah, no,
0: I like it a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I have a a lot of what about this questions too, but I think I prefer to uh, talk about them next year. Um, but if you, you know, dreams, dreams can be manifested by, believing in those dreams, and then finding the right formula, people process tools to execute on it. So so what's your dream on this one, Steve? What, what's your big enchilada dream that you hope comes out of this?
1: You know, I have this weird thing, I always have this expression called it's okay to be different. And so, you know, my dream isn't ever to get rich. It's to create a stamp of something that we did that improves probably the lives of people that live in buildings, um, the experience of owners and operators. And there's also a green side of this, of making this type of technology more efficient by using less resources to do the same thing that people have been doing for 30 years in a different way.
0: Well, I can't think of anything more exciting and noble as that. This has been a great conversation with Steve Pinot, CEO of Blue Cell, and we, we wish you the best of luck and we'll touch base with you next year and see how it's going. How's that sound, Steve?
1: Thank you. Great talking to you.